Welcome to a special episode of our Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand series brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity. For more information on the Rainmaker Multiplier process and a list of all podcasts in this series, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Thank you everyone for being here. I'm happy to share with you some really helpful insights from one of our friends, which we'll introduce here in a minute, but we are going to learn all about what your clients really want. So with that said, I'd like to welcome our barista today, um, Charles Savari, who's here from Dimensional to help us answer that question. What, what our clients really, really want. So side note, I learned a fun fact about Charles as we were kind of coming in here. He has lived in five different continents by the age of 20. So kind of a fun fact. Um, but anyway, that's not what we're here to discuss. We are here to discuss um, client needs, uh, feedback, things that they really, really want and are happy to share. And with that said, I'll introduce Charles. And why don't you tell us a little bit of background of how you have this information that you're able to share with us today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pleasure to be here. So thank you for inviting me. I um, am an original director at Dimensional, and so I work on the practice management team. I've been doing this for the last decade, and really what that means is I work with probably in the 10 years over a 1,000 firms all across the globe on their business and trying to understand like insights, trends, different things that relates to practice management. And each year we run two major studies or surveys and one of them is going to be focused on advisors and their practices. So looking at things on human capital, on profit, on growth, all sorts of different areas. And the other major one, which is probably the largest in the industry, is called the Global Investor Survey. And within that study, what we've done is we've collected data from over 100,000 households in the last seven years. And so we're looking at clients like yours in the room, and we're trying to understand what are their values, what do they appreciate, why did they select their advisor, how often do they want to meet. And so a ton of data comes out of those two studies, and it's really neat because what we can do is we can say, well, what are firms doing in their business from our global advisor study, and how is that affecting client behaviors or values from the global investor study? So we've kind of got like both sides of the equation. Um, and it's really neat because you can do like cross analysis, right? And try to understand certain things. And so we, we've done that for the last seven years. Um, and I now work on a team of 12, we've grown. And each year we're meeting with, you know, a couple hundred advisors or practices within the US, really trying to understand how can we gather better information from clients and feedback so that we can actually take that into actionable items within their practices. That's great. So seven years of data, I'm sure you've learned mm -hmm. quite a few things. Yep. Will you share with us what are some highlights or, or things that all of us on the phone can take away, generally speaking, what, what the clients are looking for, any insights that you typically see coming through? Yeah, so the, I mean, there's there's a ton. And I was prepping for this call and I was like, you know, if I was sitting in your shoes trying to listen to this person talk about data from end clients, I, I kind of narrowed it down into certain areas. And so, so I'll start off and I'll kind of jump around. But when we looked at what clients value, so we asked them, you know, what do you value from working with an advisor or your advisor? 
And the number one thing clients said was that the advisor understands their unique needs and goals. And this is coming from um, this last year, and it was 17,000 end clients from across the globe. And that was number one. So understanding their unique needs and goals. And if you think about how you do client due diligence when you're prospecting, how you ask impact questions, that's definitely an area in which you create a sense of understanding them, what's unique to them. The other thing that they responded from value standpoint was, um, do they explain things in a manner that I understand? And so as you know, financial experts, people tend to communicate in a way which uses jargon or industry knowledge. The reality is, is if you put yourself in the, the seat of the end client, most often one of their biggest desires is that their advisor would speak in terms that they understand, which is kind of interesting. The other area we look at is the way in which they uh, measure the value they receive. And the number one response there was that they measure their value in a sense of security or peace of mind. And so we said, okay, well, that's great. What exactly does that mean? And when we asked them to explain it, the number one and two responses were that they have a trusted partner to navigate life's financial challenges and they can maintain their lifestyle past retirement. So when we think about how we explain how they're progressing towards their goals, when we think about how we're communicating certain things in meetings, I would say you always want to try to get them to leave with the feeling of a sense of security, peace of mind, and they've got someone there that's a trusted partner, and that eventually when they do retire, or if they are retired, that they're able to maintain where they're currently at. I'll stop you real quickly. So you mentioned, this is really helpful. You mentioned number one being an understanding of their goals and needs. Um, mm -hmm. And you mentioned impact questions. So what would be some examples of that that you might recommend or how to position that to give them that understanding that yes, Mr. and Mrs. Advisor understands, but also forms that trust relationship as well? Yeah, so so I think when you when you look at advisors, typically, right, when you're meeting with a new prospect, you're you're trying to ask questions which are identifying what's unique about their circumstance. And even if it's very common to other clients, it's the sense of feeling that you are an expert of working with people similar to them. And so I, I think about like, well, what's what difficulties are they going through any of the the standard kind of due diligence questions children right retirement uh, home purchases everything that encompasses it but the trick is is to explain yourself as being an expert in towards similar people like them and so if i'm an advisor and i say i work with everyone from 40 to 65 with a million in assets and above or 500,000 that doesn't give them a sense that I'm an expert with people like them. If I say I'm an advisor that works with people who have families, who are lifelong learners, who appreciate the outdoors, who might be business owners, doctors, the more I narrow down, and I could have multiple per advisor, but the more I narrow that focus down, the more they get the sense of, well, wow, this person's an expert with people like me. And what you find out from our advisor survey results is if you look at the number one driver of growth, 
it's going to be hands down, and this is 12 years of data, 40 to 60% of net new comes from referrals from existing clients. It dominates growth every single year, referrals does. And you'll hear people you know, like me say that all the time. But for sure, one of the biggest drivers of referrals is going to be your current client base. It's your biggest marketing engine. And one of the key pieces in referrals is also similar to this topic which is clients aren't aware of the types of people that you're targeting as prospects. And so the more you're able to communicate your niche or that you're an expert with certain types of people, the more they walk away from it with that sense of kind of belief. And so sometimes it's not about the questions you ask to get the due diligence. It's about like what you're communicating proactively to them. Kind of a long-winded answer to that. No, that's great. That's really helpful. And I'll say, we should all know this, everyone listening here, but if anyone has any direct questions, feel free to get it in chat or raise your hand and we'll certainly address it. Okay, so understanding unique goals, being able to form that trusted relationship and explain things in an understandable manner. Are there other high-level insights that you that you found? Yeah, so, so when we looked at um, what they consider important in the relationship, and, and this goes to the point I was just mentioning, the number one thing that they consider most important is that the advisor has experience with clients like them. And then within our study, what we do is we ask one question, which is an NPS scoring question, which stands for net promoter score. And really that's a satisfaction question. And like tons of companies, right? They, they send you um, feedback questions and you get that all the time is how likely would you be to refer us to a family or friend and that what that does is it, it allows us to segment responses based on either promoters of a business they're really highly likely to refer or detractors and the one big big difference you notice is promoters who they're more likely to be referring your business whether that's personality driven or experience driven value basically that you work with clients similar to them and if you look at detractors the number one response was investment returns and there's there's weird um well not weird it's but there's definitely similarities between personality and interest type and likeliness to be a referrer and you see that come through in the data each year and then if you look at the preferences of people who do refer they're much more likely to value that you work with similar clients to them. That's huge. Yeah, you're right. Just establishing that commonality. And I love that. Um, I love that you said it's not just X amount of assets. That's not personal or that's much mm -hmm. more irrelatable than like you use the examples, someone mm -hmm. who enjoys being in the outdoors or X and Y. I feel like that definitely builds that trust a little bit more. So yeah, yeah. So, I mean, most often, like if, if you look at what we would say are like target clients and you look at advisors, usually it's very broad. And so if an advisor can only work with, let's say, 100, maybe 150 max a number of clients, then it really it's that's not many seats on your bus. And so the, the biggest pushback you get is, is, well, if I if I refine who I'm targeting, doesn't that limit my opportunity to grow my practice? And I would say that if the biggest marketing engine is your current clients, then the reality is, is like your clients do the majority of the marketing for you. 
And the more you refine and establish that you're um, an expert and clients like them, the easier it is for them to refer you basically. And the, the other interesting thing that we got from the question that we asked was the two of the other answer choices were advisor fees as being incredibly important. That came in um, at 2% of clients, really, really low. And then similar age of the advisor to the client was 1% of responses marked that as being important. So age and fees almost always doesn't come through when you're looking at end clients talk about values or importance of the advisor relationship, which I thought was super interesting when we got, got that back. It's very interesting. Yes. So you mentioned NPS scores and um, do you know general industry average or what would be considered a, a good NPS within this group? Yeah, yeah. So um, at least for the seven years we've ran it, I'll try to give you some references, but mm -hmm. the average comes out to be around like 67, 68 score on NPS. And to explain NPS a little bit more is your score can go positive 100 and negative 100 within that range. And so I'll give you an example. I'm out in um, California and one of the internet providers out here is Spectrum. They're, they're nationwide, right? And when you look at their NPS scoring, it came out to negative 35. Poorly satisfied customers, right? Not happy with Spectrum. If you look at Apple, their NPS on average is around 44. If you look at advisory practices, which we've got data from, though those 100,000 responses over the last seven years, the average NPS score was 67. And so overall, advisors are considered highly, highly important to people's lives. Obviously, you guys know that. And, um, and maybe there's a bias because firms who are willing to conduct surveys like ours and gather client feedback and insights might be better practices. But the reality is, is like the scores coming back are already extremely high. Like 67 is quite, quite a good score. And that's the average. It's very good. Yeah, and I think it is to an industry where there is a lot of competition. So if people and people can move or whatnot, so I, you need it to be that high or else, I mean, Apple people need phones, internet, people need internet, but this type of industry, I think is very easy and competitive to go to different places. So it's, it's definitely helpful to have it like that. Yeah. And, and one thing, um, like in old economics classes, they, they teach you like about elasticity. And really what that means is if you change your price, like how many clients would adjust or would you lose? And if you look at like the wealth management industry or, or the RA industry, it's incredibly inelastic. Clients are extremely sticky and not price sensitive. And that is very similar to a luxury good. And so if you think about like, you know, whatever Bentleys or Gucci, whatever it is, it's, it's very similar from consumer behavior to the RAA world as well. Similar preferences and similar um, consumer behavior around it. Makes sense. And back to your point of trust too, if trust is such a critical factor within this relationship and what the clients want and why they stay, then that's, that's hard to... I, I feel like you, it's hard to put a price on that. So mm -hmm. I think that justifies that a little bit too. Yeah, most definitely. 
Yeah. What else? Built on the foundation of the award-winning bucket plan process, Clarity to Prosperity's proven processes, training, and coaching can help you increase your revenue. If you are a growth-minded, independent financial advisor, you qualify for a free copy of the bucket plan book. Go to claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer to get your free book today. That's claritytoprosperity.com forward slash offer. The other big thing that we got out of the survey was um, we looked at responsiveness. So we asked, we, we segmented, right, by two groups. You got your promoters, really likely to refer you, great clients, really satisfied. And you got your detractors. And the biggest thing that stood out with creating higher MPS scores was the ability for the advisor to be responsive. We did not classify what that meant. We only asked is, is your advisor responsive when contacting you or you reaching out to them? And so, although, you know, we know that being responsive is probably important from a client satisfaction standpoint in the data, it's incredibly important. And so whether that means you get an email and you acknowledge, hey, I'm going to get to this, we're working on it, I'll get your response in two days, rather than just responding in two days, those type of things make a big difference as well. The Oh, sorry. I, I was just no. going to mention, we um, many of us would then C2P employ the sundown rule that says, mm -hmm. even if you don't have an answer, just get back to them and say, I, I, got, I got it. I got your message. We're working on it. We'll keep you posted or we'll be in touch. And I think to your point, that really, and, and that's by the end of the day, like I said, even if there's no answer, and I think that's important. We all know as consumers, we want to know the message was received. They're working on it. It's, it's not lost in space or anything. So I think that's, that's a great point as well. So the, the other thing we, we took a look at is interactions with their advisor. So like how often they want to meet. And so clients on average wanted to talk to their advisor about three and a half times a year. And that was the, the desired, and this is an average of clients, but was two in-person meetings and one phone call, one and a half other touch points, which included phone calls. Um, and when they met with their advisor, surprisingly, they wanted to review investment performance, um, but also in relationship to their progress towards their goals. And that was key. And if you look at promoters, that was a big difference is okay what is performance but how does that relate to the goals i've set out to achieve over the next you know 20 years or whatever it is and then we looked at other avenues of communication and the uh, mass majority of clients didn't did not really want to receive mail do any sort of um like video conferencing and also have group discussions that those were the three that they didn't want to um and the ones that they did they would love to have a quarterly email an update about their progress anything new at the firm they would love to have a call at least once or twice a year and then the majority i think about 50 percent said they wanted to meet in person versus 50 that would be meeting virtually and that's a drastic change that has happened in the last three years. If we looked pre-pandemic at our data and we looked at virtual, 
it was basically the inverse. It was 80% would prefer to meet in person, 20% virtual. And now, depending on the age demographic you look at, but even with older clients, are still, it's about a 50-50 split, which is surprising. I, I wouldn't have thought it would have changed that drastically. Hmm. That is, yeah, that is very interesting. I know we have a question in chat, but just to get back to that. So the quarterly emails with the updates, um, just to be clear, that so the majority of the people said they didn't want make physical mail, right? Mm -hmm. Did the majority yeah. then want emails, but not too, too many more of like a, it, it was at the time frame that they would want that communication on a quarterly basis as opposed to more or less frequently? Yeah, so the, the way we asked the question was like a series of different interactions going from zero all the way down to like weekly. And so if you looked at like how often they wanted to receive certain types of things, what you notice was like for a male, for instance, the majority of people actually voted zero. They wouldn't want to receive mail. If you looked at like um, emails, you notice that like 65% of respondents said they would love a quarterly email. And so, yeah, it was, it was basically like frequency and type of interaction. Okay, well, that makes sense. And then we do have a question. If, if clients tend to be loyal to their existing advisor, perhaps it's because the effort to change is, is simply too great. So is there anything in the data that identifies the triggers why clients switch? Like, are they moving away from unsatisfied relationships versus going to something better or anything of anything that you're seeing of, of the why of switching advisors? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, so although clients are very sticky, it's extremely competitive. One in every three clients would have been approached by another advisor even if they were existing, had an existing relationship, like let's say with anyone in the room. So one in three. And if you look at, we, we haven't done specific data analysis on client switches, but if you look at why people generally do, most often it comes down to um, either they want to, they're dissatisfied, they don't have good response rates, they're not being communicated to in a way that they understand. They, um, they're either their personality, they've been coached to focus on the wrong type of metrics or the wrong things relating to them actually achieving their goals. They basically haven't understood the educational piece uh, around like a financial plan and how it all comes together. And the other thing is, is the advisor may be communicated in a way which they seem like an expert to specifically them. Whereas with their current advisor, they're unsure. Maybe they kind of just think they work with everyone. So there's a lot of different areas. Um, but I would say if you do communicate well in terms of like you're an expert with people like them, you deliver a great client experience and you are gathering feedback and improving, it, it's it, you see very low attrition rates, usually three to four percent client base per year is average for firms. So really low. Okay. Good. Makes sense. All right. Well, and I want, I know Jamie posted a, a chat message that we'll get actually get to in a minute about his clients actually love mail versus email. Mm -hmm. And we have something fun to share in a minute or two here about how you in fact can conduct this survey with your clients and have 
in a very, very, very simple fashion where there's really no heavy lifting on your part at all. So we'll get to, to that in a minute. But if you have maybe one other high level tip you could share or, or something, and then we'll move into the what what can we do with our clients part? Yeah, so maybe um, maybe I'll, I'll share one last thing. When we, and just because it's growth orientated and each year we probably get, you know, a good thousand questions around growth. But if you look at our studies, what we tend to find out is um, the average firm that gives us their businesses data works with about 350 households. If you then look at the investor survey data, so data from clients, 277 rank their advisory firm on average on a nine or 10 on the NPS. They're very likely to refer their advisor. We then say, okay, great. Have you referred anyone to your advisor in the past 24 months? And it drops to 97 folks. So it goes from 350 to 277 are willing to refer, highly likely. We then ask them, have they? It drops to basically about 100. We then look at the business's data and we say, how many prospects have you mounted? And on average, it was about 55. We then say, how many came through referrals? And it drops down to 12. So it goes from 277 clients, highly likely to refer, down to 12 new clients coming from referrals. And what we, we call that on our team is the referral gap. And I would say if, if the biggest contributor to growth above everything else is existing clients referring. A lot of the work we do is how do you narrow that gap? If the, the difference between 277 and 12, you've got you know 250 clients there. And I would say, if you look at the top reasons why people don't refer, number one is they are unsure that the business they work with would like to grow or is capable of growth. And we did a sample question. So in our survey, we have the ability for you to draft your own question. And one of the ones we did two years ago was, are you aware that the firm you work with would like to grow? And on average, 83% of end clients were unaware that the advisor or the firm they work with is wanting to grow their practice. So that was number one reason. And the other, I, I give you another example, you know, when, when you meet with a, um, an advisor, what's the kind of the first thing that you say? You say, well, hey, how have you been? How are you doing? And most typically advisors say things are great, we're busy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what a client walks away from that with is, well, I don't wanna send more people their way if they're already busy, right? I don't wanna burden them. And so instead of saying that, it's like, oh, we're super excited. We're thinking about our growth this year. We've hired someone. We're also, you know, creating a couple of processes to be more efficient. There's subtle tweaks in what we communicate so that they leave with an understanding of, well, we reinvest in our business and we're, we're wanting to grow. And number two would be they're unsure of who you want to target. We mentioned that earlier. Number three is they're unaware of the life situations or triggers that people go through that your firm or yourself can tremendously help with. So whether that's divorce, whether that's um, retirement, whether it's your children buying their first new home, whatever the, the situation is, they're unsure and they do not connect your firm or yourself with when they hear that within their network of this person struggling with this. 
And then the final one is, is that most firms haven't told them a better way to, um, to refer or mention your name rather than them just informally doing it. So created a process about introduction to your advisor. And so that's kind of the major four reasons when you look at referrals. That's very helpful. So something, and I know we've just got a couple minutes here, but I'll start by saying that I, I think when you mentioned even asking the questions, um, have you referred? I think that's almost a subtle hint, like, oh, it puts it in their mind. Oh, I, I should be referring. So all of this information did come from the surveys that were conducted across many, many firms, firms clients. And we have this opportunity for all of you will follow up after as well with details of how to do it. Um, I'll let Charles go into what exactly it is, but I'll also preface by saying, and we'll put this in the chat as well, that if you're interested in doing this, I think it would be a great opportunity. Uh, reach out to training at C2P Enterprises with um, requests for additional information. We can send you a little bit as well as intent to participate, and we'll go from there. But Charles, do you just want to talk about what this looks mm -hmm. like? If, for those who yeah. want to find out what their clients actually want? Yeah, so so the, the idea was is that we at Dimensional would create a white label um, investor client survey. And really what that, what that is, is we provide basically all the infrastructure for a firm, whether that's even the email template that you would draft to send it to them, the questionnaire in which you can select the questions you would like to actually ask, and also be able to create your own of up to three to the actual report that you get sent back to you in which you're able to filter by, let's say, if you wanted to look at all your female clients, if you want to look at clients from an age range of 40 to 60, like from the report to the actual question selection to the marketing materials in which you have to run it, it's all been white labeled, all kind of packaged up. Um, and so from a lift standpoint for the advisor, it's actually very minimal. And so if you ever did want to conduct client feedback, which is a brilliant way to understand a lot of the things we discussed, um, it's pretty straightforward. And that's kind of what we've, we've put together uh, for you guys. That's wonderful. And then just to stress, because everyone is busy, the amount of work on their end is very, very little, right? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, I really hope you you all take advantage of that. Like I said, reach out to training at C2P Enterprises. We'll fill you in with details, make the connections so this survey can be initiated with your clients. In the meantime, this was really, really beneficial, Charles. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for all of you for attending and enjoy the rest of your day. Interested in learning more about the topics discussed today? We want to know more about your challenges and priorities and how we can help build your custom roadmap to success. That's right, a custom roadmap built just for you. Schedule a free 20-minute consultation with one of our business development partners. Visit c2pe.info forward slash podcast to schedule a time that's good for you. That's c2pe.info forward slash podcast.